Welcome back to Sparky on Ice. I know it's been a while since my last episode, but I've had some inquiries about bringing it back, so here I am. My plan is to take a few episodes and cover what happened during the summer. Um, I'll try to recall as much as possible from that time frame. Once we're all caught up to my return, I will drop down to a monthly show, and do some news from the ice and updates on my process of returning. Then in September, I will return to doing regular shows from the ice, and I'll also bring history back when I get back to the ice. With that said, uh, let's see where we left off. Well, we were waiting for the Windfly planes to arrive. Well, one did finally arrive in, on September 1st. The previous electrical foreman boarded that plane, and we got a fresh new batch of folks. And we lost Wi-Fi to the dorms, which is part of why I stopped doing the show. It became more difficult to produce the shows without it. However, there was a major problem with the first plane. It was a C-17 and it had primarily cargo. In fact, it was what we call a pallet train for easy offload, except one of the teeth on the rear opening to help keep the cargo in would not retract. Something had broken. Uh, they worked on it for about an hour with no luck, so they had to unload the luggage and vital cargo by hand and leave the majority of the rest on the plane. That means no mail, no freshies. So now we had no Wi-Fi, no freshies, no mail, and a bunch of new people. But we figured no deal, no big deal. They will just fix the plane in Christchurch and be back in a day or two. Then the weather moved back in. More Con 1, more delays. It was almost another week before we got another plane. Here's the worst part, at least for me. The other electrician was scheduled to be on the second Windfly plane. So that, me, that left me as the only electrician on station for a full week. Luckily, nothing horrible happened during that week, and I made it until he arrived. Well, one of the things I had to do with the Windfly flights is to go out to Phoenix and control the lights for the night vision landings. This is quite a an experience because we go 100% dark for the landing. This gives us an amazing view of the sky. I've never seen the stars in the Milky Way so clearly in my life. You really don't grasp how much ambient light we produce until you are in a place that has almost zero ambient light for thousands of miles. We have four NVG landings, so I had to go out to the airfield each time. Since I was the only electrician on the station for a couple of them, it left the station without one while I was there. It is a very stressful feeling. And it was good that nothing major happened while I was gone. But the rest of the planes went well. We did get our mail, which had a couple of packages for me from home. I got some snacks, which I had ordered, some mixed nuts and some Slim Jims. And my wife also sent me a pack of Reese Cups, which I really, really love. In addition to mail and freshies, we also got a fresh shipment of the Plain Plague, a fun upper respiratory infection that the new people tend to bring in with them. It goes to the community pretty quickly, but I was able to avoid this round of it and kept going. Well, during this time, I took over as electrical foreman. And we got two electricians in during Windfly, so I had to train them to get them familiar with the station. During this time, we also had to start prepping for the summer science projects. And that means getting the aquarium running. 
We use the term aquarium loosely since it's really a bunch of fiberglass tubs with seawater in them. They range from 3 gallons to 500 gallon pond size ones. The main part of getting these going, at least for me, is installing the submersible pumps in the seawater intake. This year was difficult and different from previous years since we were installing new pumps which were larger than the previous ones. That meant we had to go change out all the wiring to handle the higher amperage. It took us a full day to remove and replace the control cabinet supply power and another day to wire the new cables to the pumps. This is something that would have taken a few hours in the States. It's just one of those things that shows how long it takes to do anything there. Once we had the prep work done, it was time to lower the pumps into the 40-foot hole down to the water. We have to use a crane for this since the pipes, while flexible at room temperature, freeze solid at negative 20. They had to be laid out on a trailer with a heat blanket and picked up straight by the crane, hoping they froze straight as they were lifted. Keep in mind this is wind fly, so the weather is rarely helpful. On this day, on the day we were placing them, the winds were about 10 to 15 knots, so it was within the safe range, but still tough to work with. Once the pumps were up, they were lowered into the hole, which was in a small building and about two foot wide. The crane crew was amazing and hit the hole on the second try. After the pumps were in, the plumbers hooked them up and I finished wiring and we turned on the pumps. And when you know it, being in Antarctica, there was a problem. We were not getting the flow through the pipes. It took some of us, it took us some time to figure out what the problem was. Number one was the safety shutoff. If the meters didn't see at least 50 gallons per minute within 15 seconds, then the system was shut off. It's actually a good idea to keep us from burning out the pumps. But it also makes it very hard to troubleshoot why we're not getting flow. Once we figured out how to bypass that, we realized that uh, these were three-phase motors, three-phase motors, and that we had crossed one of the phases on it, causing it to run in reverse. So we took time, rephased everything, relanded it, and got them running the right direction which was great. We had flow through the uh, drain pipes all the way up to the station, which is like 750 feet or something similar to that. And then we decided to start actually uh, setting the valves and tweaking everything, getting it running right. And when you know it, it stopped again. After some brain pounding and lots and lots of trying to figure out what the hell was going on, we figured out what ha happened. During the testing phase we have this huge six inch pipe that all the water flows through and it flows um, through the drain back out into the seawater so we could test it well once we started putting it into the system the pipes there were considerably smaller which reduced the flow rate and because we were only using a couple of the valves opening it reduced it below the 50 gallons per minute rate and the safety shutoff kicked in it was weird what took us so long to figure that out i guess we were just looking at it from the wrong angles and finally i came up with that idea we opened up all the valves and it started flowing just fine then we tweaked some of the valves so that we could adjust the flow a little easier and it wasn't as much into the tank so that the scientists when they got there could really adjust the flow and luckily we got them done a couple days before the uh the scientists got there so that was the, the joy of setting stuff up in antarctica for summer and well, once that was done, we started prepping for the rest of summer, which meant we had to de-winterize buildings, especially um, the, the dorms that we had winterized back in March and April. So that was number one was to get people places they could live, which meant we had to uh, check all the panels for ice and snow and then energize them and then walk through the super cold buildings because the heat wasn't on yet and check 
uh, all the electrical systems to make sure there wasn't any damage before we let people in there. And we had to test all the heat trace, which meant we needed to crawl under and check all the junction boxes and make sure the heat trace was warm. All in all, not that difficult, just kind of frustrating because it's cold and snowy under those buildings. But the best part of all this was the return of the sun. Each day was getting a little brighter. The sun was peeking around the mountains more and more each day. Uh, during late August, early September, I took the truck up to the Ob Hill Loop trailhead and watched the sun rise over arrival heights. And after months of no sun, it was amazing just to feel the sun on my face. You just don't realize how much you miss it until it's gone. Well, that's all I've got for you this episode. Next time, I will cover late September into October, which is the start of the austral summer in Antarctica. If you have any questions, you can contact me on Facebook or Twitter at Sparky on Ice, or email me at podcast at Sparky on Ice, and I'll talk to you guys later. Yeah.